Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Beautiful Business. This is session two, two of some number. I thought it was two of six, but I bet it's more than six. And it's going to be an ongoing podcast anyway. If you're listening to this on the podcast, I would encourage you to go to, uh, well, at this point, you should go to letsdothebooks.com. Sign up for the welcome series at letsdothebooks.com because that will get you onto my email list. You could also go to moneyschool.works, sign up for the email list, and then from there, you'll have an opportunity to get notifications that are specific to coaches. In the not-too-distant future, there will be a place where, where coaches can go to sign up for conversations. Uh, well, conversations sounds like consults or coaching. What I mean is where coaches can go to get on a on an email list that is specific to our discussion of one-on-one coaching and and other business models too um other nuts and bolts that there at this point is going to be no visual component to this series i mean i use slides as an outline to get myself through these sessions but i'm not going to publish the video some the the simplest or the the easiest re- reason to give is that I don't want the overhead associated with publishing both audio and video. It is hard enough for me to get any audio or any any post production work done, and so at this point, the the beautiful business podcast, which you can find by searching any of your favorite podcast streaming services, beautiful business, that's where you're going to get the recordings of this material trying to think if there's any other logistical stuff that I want to share. I don't think so. I'm I'm kind of buzzing right now. I'm on a little bit of a high because I literally two minutes, three minutes ago, finished a session with my own one-on-one coach. One of my three one-on-one coaches that I'm currently working with. Yesterday, I was talking with a client and I was sharing some concerns with her about the coaching industry in general. And she said, well, you don't love the coaching industry. And I said, well, hold on. First of all, I have some concerns with the coaching industry. Yes, but I love coaching and I prove it with my wallet. I have three coaches right now and I may be concluding with one of those three coaches in the near, in the near future, but I won't be without a coach. Uh, The coaching session I just had, I mean, it's dealing with stuff that's specific to me and that's what I think coaching is. We'll talk about that today, but I don't want to be without that kind of support in my life. And I am so thrilled to spend money on it. Thrilled to spend money on it. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about getting support in whatever area. I mean, I have three different coaches right now. It's three different areas of support. One is my sort of ADHD and distractible nature. One is uh, my general emotional state and dealing with emotional challenges from past and present. And then the other one, which I'm really interested to talk more about in the future, but I've hired a sobriety coach, which I think is very interesting because I don't have any traditional addictions. But for a while now, I've been fascinated with the idea of sobriety as a philosophy, as a sort of uh, a way of being, uh, a personal development pursuit. And so I've hired a guy who is a coach already, but has close to a decade of experience with his own sobriety. And I'm just so excited about what that has to offer me. And uh, 
in, in my own personal growth. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about all this stuff. We're going to talk about these different models. In, the, in last week's session, we really talked about why I believe so strongly in one-on-one -on -one coaching as a, as a sort of a beautiful and elegant business model. Today, I want to talk about sort of models of coaching, because I really think that the word coaching itself is inadequate for covering all of the things that we can do with our clients. As I've had conversations with peers, uh, they've helped me see that I have a specific definition or some definitions for coaching, but my definitions aren't necessarily other people's definitions. So today I want to dig into that. And I want to make clear how important it is for you to know what you're mostly doing as it relates to coaching so that you know how to talk about it, how to improve it, and um, and then how to change when you want to change. This relates to what I call the great confusion. And for me, I'm coming out of a, a coaching community where when you do your coach training, you are presented the idea, an idea of coaching, and you're presented a sort of, well, sorry, you're presented an idea of coaching, but then it is not modeled. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that it's this is is hypocritical, or I just think there's a, a a disconnect, almost an accidental disconnect between what is being taught and what is being modeled. I I actually don't think it's malicious in any way, but specifically you have this certain style of coaching being taught and a certain business associated with it. And then the people who are leading that instruction the, are largely doing completely different things. So the great confusion, I think for a lot of people coming out of my coaching community or the coaching community that I was part of is you're telling me to do one thing, but you're showing me that you do something else. And I want to see if I can clarify some of that, that confusion today. And so I want to talk about coaching slash mentorship versus teaching slash training. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. I want to hopefully bring some new light to this conversation today, because I think that many of us start down the coaching journey thinking, thinking that we're going to be engaging in what I call coaching and mentorship, but what is modeled for us is mostly teaching and training. This, these aren't sort of all or nothing things. These things aren't black or white. They exist on a spectrum. My friend, Molly Claire, who many of you know, uh, Molly Claire coaching, she was very helpful to me in seeing that these things exist more on a spectrum that, than they do in absolute terms. Uh, but I think even acknowledging the spectrum can be very powerful as we look at what is coaching versus, uh, I'm sorry, coaching and mentorship versus teaching and training. So if I'm going to do what I call coaching and mentorship, here are some statements that I think represent what I might be doing. I will be a neutral listener in a safe space. I will cheer you on and encourage you. I will help you be accountable to your knowledge and goals. I will be your guide and your sounding board as you pursue goals I've already achieved or I've helped others achieve. All of these things are part of what I would call a coaching or mentorship relationship. Now, I may not be doing all of these things. I may be very committed to one of these things. There are certain coaches that are totally committed to being a neutral listener in a safe space and to holding their client's thoughts and behaviors back up to their client, 
to say, here's what you seem to be thinking. Here's how it seems to be impacting your feelings and your behaviors. They're totally committed to that. There's a whole other group of coaches or mentors whose job is cheerleading. You can do it. I believe in you. You've got this. These are all great, by the way. I think they're just different models. But all of these things fall under what I would call coaching and mentorship. You know that you are a coach or a mentor, by my definitions, if you are not trying to get anyone to do something in particular or getting them to know something in particular or to get them to think something in particular. You're there to be a, a, an extremely insightful mirror right like you're not you're not trying to impart knowledge directly you're not trying to inspire a specific action or achieve a measurable result in a coaching mentoring relationship by my definition now in teaching and training you might be saying things like i will help you absorb and implement new knowledge i will show you how to do something i will help you achieve a specific measurable result now, as I share these different models with you, I'm, I hope that you're having examples jump to your mind instantly. Like, oh, okay. So a weight loss coach is more of a teacher trainer than they are a, a coach mentor by these definitions. A business coach in many cases is more of a teacher trainer than they are a coach or a mentor because the person's coming and saying, I want to make this many dollars. Can you help me make this many dollars? And the relationship ends up being judged largely on whether that specific measurable result was achieved. This, these are where I, I draw the, this sort of big black line between these two worlds. One is I am an insightful mirror. And the other is I am imparting knowledge, getting you to take action, telling you how to think, which can sound negative, but I don't think it's inherently negative. Often we want people to give us new thoughts so we can think them and feel better. I'm telling you how to think. I'm helping you do something specific and measurable. That's training or teaching in my mind, as opposed to coaching and mentorship. Now, as, as business owners, as people who are trying to make money out of all this stuff, which I think we all are, we want to understand how these different options relate to a business. It's been my observation, and by the way, none of these things are absolutes. I'm not ready to die on any of these hills. I think they're useful frameworks. But I would say that in a coaching mentoring relationship, there's a natural pull toward a longer term relationship built on collaboration. So for example, um, I work with a therapist right now in what I would call a coaching mentoring relationship. And her name is Anne. And I've been working with Anne for over 18 months maybe longer. I honestly can't remember, but I'm never coming to Anne in pursuit of a specific measurable outcome. I'm just going to Anne and Anne is just sitting there with this like serene look on her face. She asks me how I'm doing and she notices when I'm feeling feelings and she encourages me to allow those feelings to happen. And we're talking about my family. We're talking about my relationships and we're just in collaboration. And Anne is a person whose conversation I value and I look forward to. So 
I don't really think in terms of I'm going to do this many sessions with Anne and then be quote unquote finished. It's much more about, oh, I've got Anne in a couple of days. Oh, good. I want to talk to her about X. Or sometimes I'll show up to a, a meeting with Anne and Anne will just say, well, how are you doing? And I'll just ramble because as I've started to tell people, you know, I'm always on the verge of a monologue. So I'll start to monologue. And then she'll interrupt me and she'll say, tell me about that. Like, what's going on with that? What's going on with your son? What about you and Kate? What's, what's going on there? What, you just said something. I want to hear more about that. And then we talk. And then I usually, in most cases, at the end of that conversation, I hear myself saying, oh, Anne, I love talking to you. I feel so much better. Thank you. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. That is the relationship. It's a longer term relationship built on collaboration. A teaching training business, there's a natural pull, in my opinion, towards shorter term relationships focused on those measurable results. I hired a weight loss coach. Uh, and in fact, I did, I mean, we never called him a weight loss coach. We called him a nutrition coach or whatever we called him. But my goal was to weigh not 215 pounds. It was to weigh 190 pounds. That was the goal. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but we knew why we were there. And when we had our check-ins, what'd you eat this week? Why'd you eat that? What'd the scale say? And the relationship came to its very natural conclusion as I approached that result. I got down to like 192, 193. T-shirt was fit and different. It was a specific measurable result. And the relationship sort of came to its natural conclusion. Yeah, let's keep going. In teaching and training offers, it's my opinion that they're comparatively easy to sell or easier to sell, and it's comparatively harder to deliver on the promise. So when I hire that, we'll call him a nutrition coach, when I hire him, there wasn't a lot of persuading to be done. There wasn't a lot of it was just sort of like, okay, you help people get this specific result. I know people who have hired you to do it. I want that specific result. Where do I put my credit card? It's harder to deliver that though, because his ability to say whether he succeeded or failed in the relationship rests entirely on my compliance to the protocols that he proposes. That's going to be true in any situation where, whether it's trying to achieve a new number in a bank account, reducing debt, uh, making a certain amount of money, weighing a certain amount, having your bench press increase a certain number of pounds. In any area where it's measurable, uh, the result is measurable. The result is not in the hands of the coach, really. It's in the hands of the client. So when I it's easier to sell. I will help you make $10,000 a month. It's harder to actually have that happen, which is why, unfortunately, very often in the coach industry, we, I think we slip into what I call uh, blaming the client. And it sounds like this. Well, I don't know what their problem is. I gave them the same program I gave everybody else and other people got the result. So I don't know why they didn't get the result. And it's not that that's absolutely untrue, but what it illustrates is the difficulty in 
promising it's diff- the difficulty of delivering on a promise that you make about someone else's behavior that's harder to do so you either have to be supremely confident and take ownership of the fact that okay my client did not get the result that we built the relationship on what was my role in not getting that result or you slip into blaming the client or you stop selling specific results. And I'm not saying you need to. I I think there's benefit in this world from the coach who helps people achieve a new number on a scale or increase their bench press or pay off their debt or whatever it is. I'm not, personally, those models aren't great for me as a coach, but I appreciate that there are coaches who are pursuing those models. That's what I want to say. But it is, I think, a little bit easier to sell because of the of the direct ROI that's that's implied in the sale, but a little bit harder to deliver on the promise. Coaching and mentoring offers, in my opinion, are a little bit harder to sell, but tends to be much easier to deliver on the promise. Harder to sell because at some point a person realizes, I'm literally just paying you for conversations. And at some point, the coach admits to herself or himself, I'm I'm actually just selling conversations. Now we can say we're selling results and we can, we're selling transformation. And I, I agree with that because I have felt transformed by my long-term collaborative relationships with my coaches. But when I started working with Anne, the therapist, and then Liz, my I call her my ADHD coach. I don't know whether she would call herself that. I didn't start the relationship saying, I, I, am, I am at X, I want to get to Y. I started the relationship saying, you have something to offer me in conversation, and I want those conversations. If somebody isn't already sold on conversations as a solution in in life, it's a harder sale to make. The good news is it's easier to deliver on the promise comparatively because you promised a conversation and you delivered a conversation. Now, if the client didn't like the conversation, hopefully they'll tell you. And if they don't tell you, then eventually they'll let you know by not renewing the relationship. So it's not that there's no skill to be developed here. I think there's great skill to be developed. I think it's worth time and attention and energy and introspection. I think it's fun and gratifying and rewarding. And it's just easier. (laughs) I mean, it's just, you just have a great call and at the end of that call, your client says, oh, this has been really helpful. I'm so glad we talked. And you're like, great. See you in two weeks or next week or next month or in two days, depending on how you structure your coaching relationships. So that the sort of easier, harder paradigm then overflows or, or impacts how we're marketing and how we're selling. Because a coaching and a mentoring business can grow a variety of ways. My observation has been that coaching and mentoring businesses grow largely through conversation and connection. And if that's too abstract, what I mean is this is the classic, oh, my first client was my college roommate. I hadn't talked to her in 10 years. We were catching up and having a conversation. There was a pre-existing connection there. I let her know what I was doing. And she said, I'd love to work with you on that. Conversation and connection created that relationship. 
content can play a role in growing a, a coaching and mentoring business. But I, I don't think it plays the role that I, the way I see people doing content doesn't seem to me like that people are really understanding the connection between content and coaching and mentoring. I'm planning an entire class on content as it relates to one-on-one -on -one businesses. But coaching and mentoring mostly grows through conversation and connection, which by the way, captures the idea of renewals and referrals because renewals and referrals are so basic to coaching and mentoring businesses. The conversation you're having with your client and the connection you're making with your client is building to probably in many cases, a renewal and to referrals. So that's why conversation and connection is to me, is sort of the bedrock foundation of a coaching mentoring business. Content absolutely can play a role and maybe advertising, but my bias, if your goal is to do coaching and mentorship, I have a strong bias against advertising. I don't think the nature of advertising or funnels as we typically call them actually, I don't think it lends itself very well to the coaching mentoring relationship. And we will talk about that in the marketing classes. But the idea is if I'm doing primarily coaching and mentoring, then I probably want the bulk of my energy be energy to be given to conversation and connection. What's also implied in that, and we're going to talk about it, is developing my character and my skill in engaging with other human beings. If I'm always working on my own character, my own attributes, and my skills, I become inherently more interesting to other human beings, which shows up in conversation and connection, which then facilitates a one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, a coaching mentoring relationship. Actually, Liz is the perfect example of this. So my, my coach, Liz, that I met through somebody else, a bunch of us were at dinner, struck up a conversation, really impressed with her as a person, interesting life experience, compelling expertise in her field, and great personality, enjoy the, enjoy the interaction. Some weeks go by and Kate, my wife, Kate and I are on a walk and we're talking about my and our frustrations with my way of being. That sounds funny. It sounds like we were fighting. We weren't fighting. <laughs> this was, we do fight, but this wasn't a fight. So it came to my mind, I should talk to Liz Quist. I should talk to Liz about this. And Kate said, yeah, you should. I texted her right away. Liz, could we have a call? Can we have a conversation? We get on a call, we talk for an hour and I'm just explaining to her my frustrations with myself, with my life, with my way of being. And she starts to explain to me, based, based on her long expertise, her deep involvement in the challenges that I'm struggling with, she starts to tell me some things. And in the course of that conversation, I find myself very emotional. I'm sure I'll tell the story 10,000 times. You've probably already heard me tell it. I find myself very emotional. Like, yes, you get it. You get what is hurting right now. You get it so well. You're saying it back to me in a way that I couldn't have even said it myself. At the end of that call, I say to her, Liz, will you be my coach? She wasn't even a coach. Will you be my coach? She's like, sure. What does that mean? What does that look like? And I said, well, luckily I do have experience here. What it looks like is I'm going to pay you a certain amount of money. And then we're going to talk a certain amount of times. And 
uh, that's it. You don't have to do anything other than show up and talk, be you. She's like, well, do you need me to sort of like prepare curriculum? Absolutely not. Okay. Do you like, will there be any homework assignments? There better not be any homework assignments because I won't do them. I need you to show up and talk to me. She's like, that sounds amazing because <laughs> it is amazing. Also, a few weeks, a few more weeks go by. She's having a catch-up conversation with a friend of hers. They hadn't talked in a while. Friend asks Liz, what are you up to? Liz says, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm coaching this guy. You're coaching a guy? What does that even mean? Well, he's really frustrated with A, B, C, X, Y, Z. He's a great guy, super capable, high performer, but he's really struggling in these areas. She starts to explain how I'm struggling. And in the middle of her explanation of who I am and how I am, her friend bursts into tears. Liz is like, what's going on? What, what did I, did I say something? And her friend says, you're, it's me. You're describing me. All these frustrations, all this self-loathing, all this discouragement. It's me. It's been me for 20 years. Liz is like, oh, I'm so sorry. They have a conversation about it. At the end of that conversation, that client says, so can we start Monday? Yeah. So now Liz has two clients. It happened through conversation and connection, but those conversations and connections happened in the area of Liz's deep life experience and, and, and expertise so when I'm talking with her, I'm having a very different experience in that conversation, even than if I'm talking to another amazing coach. Now, my concern, and we will talk about this, but my concern is that some of you will hear that and say, well, I'm not interesting. I don't have deep expertise, et cetera, et cetera. It's indulgent. It's whiny. I'm not going to tolerate it. Move on. We'll get there. We all have something to offer each other, even if it's just a listening ear. My point is we can develop ourselves to be more interesting, more compelling in those conversations so that people are more excited to engage with us in a coaching and mentoring relationship. Okay. That ramble aside, the last thing I want to say about um, coaching and mentoring businesses growing through conversation and connection, less so through advertising, is that coaching and mentoring relationships typically have a lower relationships per dollar ratio which is nerd for you will probably not need to know as many people per dollar of revenue that your business generates in a coaching mentoring business. You don't need a list of 10,000 people. You don't need 50,000 Instagram followers because the business grows through conversation and connection. You're not going to need as many relationships to have a comparatively high number of dollars. If we keep Going with the example of Liz, Liz has at this point approximately three relationships in the specific context of helping people who have ADHD type brains. She has, well, maybe four, because she's told me about four. She's like, oh, I've had four conversations now with people. She has three clients now. There's a third client at this point. So when we talk about relationships per dollar, Liz has an extremely low relationships per dollar ratio in her business. Will that ratio always hold? Absolutely not. Liz will probably do some content creation. She'll meet a bunch more people. Not all of them are going to hire her, but Liz could absolutely, at the rate she's going, she could absolutely make six figures plus per year in her coaching mentoring business without any email list whatsoever. That's what I'm talking about when I say a lower 
relationships per dollar ratio. Now, teaching and training businesses more often grow through content and advertising. Why? Because content and advertising lend themselves better to how-to content, to how-to messages, steps one through N kinds of messages. And when, you, when you're in a space like making more money or paying off debt or um, you know, even getting married, that's a measurable, or any of these things, they lend themselves to guides, guide content. And guide content works well on social, it works well in search engine optimization, it works well in advertising. Also, advertising, sort of baked into advertising is the idea that from the moment I spend the dollar on the ad to the moment that dollar comes back to me in the form of a coaching transaction, I, I'm, I'm hoping to have that time frame be as compressed as possible. And if I want that time frame to be as compressed as possible, that's going to naturally steer me toward a measurable, deliverable result. So it's my opinion, but I, I think I would I'd stand by this opinion. An ad that says something along the lines of, I would love to have a probing, deep, insightful conversations with you. Click here. It's not going to get, that ad is not going to get clicked like, I will help you lose 20 pounds in the next 90 days. So teaching training businesses are much better suited to content and advertising than um, coaching mentoring relationships. And teaching training businesses typically have a higher relationships per dollar ratio. So if I'm going to be doing teaching and training, I probably am going to be focused on having X thousand people on my email list, I am probably going to be focused on X thousand social followers because teaching training businesses tend to be higher churn. Remember I said they have a natural pull towards shorter term relationships. So since they have a natural pull towards shorter term relationships, I'm churning more relationships through, which means I need more relationships, which means I'm, I'm having a lot more interactions with people per dollar of revenue. One of the reasons I call a one-on-one -on -one coaching business, which I'm really talking about coaching and mentoring as opposed to teaching and training. One of the reasons I call it the beautiful business is because in a coaching mentoring scenario, I may only need 50 relationships ever. I may only need a hundred relationships ever. Uh, one of my favorite books called The Prosperous Coach a big, uh, a big tagline out of that book is you already know enough people. Well, the prosperous coach is very much a coaching mentoring. They don't say it, but their philosophy is very much a coaching mentoring philosophy. And that's why when they say you already know enough people, that's what they mean. Because you have one client, you have two, three, five clients, then there are renewals, then there are referrals. And you just have comparatively few people. There's comparatively few humans involved in the whole process. And there may never even be an email list for that or a social media following. I'm in favor of those things, but, but I, I, I'm not in favor of saying they're absolutely essential. So coaching mentoring would have lower relationships per dollar and teaching training would have higher relationships per dollar. Coaching mentoring, uh, tends toward longer term relationships, teaching training tends toward 
shorter term relationships. Are those absolutely true? I don't think absolutely. Are they true enough to be useful as you consider what you're going to do tomorrow in your business? Yeah, I think they're that useful. Here's another sort of guide, a little heuristic. If you listen more than you talk in your work and your main job is to ask questions, you're mostly coaching and mentoring. If you're doing most of the talking and if your work could be formatted as a book or a video or a podcast or a webinar, which is what I'm doing right now, you're mostly teaching and training. So the Beautiful Business Podcast is a teaching training offer. It's free, but it's a teaching training offer. I'm doing all the talking right now. It formats easily into audio or a book or video or, or PowerPoint slides. I'm doing teaching training. So if you ask yourself, well, what am I doing? Well, who's doing all the talking? Who's asking all the questions? Those are the biggest indicators of whether you're in a coaching mentoring relationship or a teaching training relationship. Okay, last slide. This whole thing is not either or. As I said at the very beginning of the first session, I believe that close to 100% of us will, will pursue some sort of hybrid. I'm not anti-anything. I've done small groups, like very small groups. Oh, I'm excited to talk about that later, actually. I've done small groups. I've done one-on-one -on -one mentoring. I do some teaching and training because that's what this is. It's more likely that we'll be doing some of all of the above, but we want clarity around what we're doing to help us build confidence and momentum. What I mean by that is if I'm talking to a person who has told me her goal is to build a coaching mentoring business, as I've defined it today, and then if she says out of the blue one day, if she says, I'm going to do a webinar. Okay. Um, so have you a paid webinar? I'm going to charge people for a webinar. Okay. So, so are you not doing the coaching mentoring business anymore? And she might be confused. Well, yeah, of course I am. What do you mean? Why? I'm just doing a webinar. And then I want to tell her, well, a paid webinar doesn't have any sort of intrinsic overlap with a coaching mentoring business. It might, because maybe somebody pays for the webinar and then maybe they like you and trust you because of that webinar. And then maybe they reach out and say, I actually would love to work with you one-on-one. -on -one. That's not weird. I, I see that. But once I start thinking about something like paid webinars, especially when they're paid, if they're free, it's a slightly different story. Then we're more of a podcasting scenario. But if, I, if I'm going to charge for these webinars, I've changed my work in a very basic way. I've changed my goals in a very basic way because now I'm switching to a teaching training offer which means more relationships per dollar, which probably means more content, maybe even advertising, probably advertising, frankly. And now I'm off on a whole other track that might lead to some spillover into a coaching mentoring business, but it's not inherently related to a coaching mentoring business. So if this same, if I, this is an imaginary conversation, but let's say the same client's like, I'm going to do a paid webinar. Why are you going to do a paid webinar? Well, I want to get some coaching mentoring clients. Oh, okay. Well, if you want to get some coaching mentoring clients, are there any retreats you could attend where your clients, your prospective clients might be there? Are there seminars? Are there 
communities online and offline where they hang out? Are there places where you can go strike up, strike up conversations and build connection? Because if you'll go strike up conversations and build connection, you'll end up, you can end up with coaching and mentoring clients without ever doing all this relatively unrelated work in the form of creating, marketing, and selling a webinar. They don't really overlap that much. And if coaching and mentoring clients are the goal, just go talk to people, meet people, be interesting, be interested. Get one client. Let one client become two. Let two become five. Fast forward three or four years, I'm totally full. My practice is totally full. And huh, I don't actually even have an email list because of coaching connection. So look, if teaching and training weren't fun, we wouldn't be on the Zoom call right now. Like I love it. It fills me. I really enjoy it. I will continue to do it. I do believe it will lead to one-on-one -on -one coaching and mentoring relationships, which I want to have. But I'm very clear on what the job of this podcast, these webinars, I'm very clear on what their job is. It's not to pay me directly. You will not see me charging for webinars. I mean, maybe someday there'd be like an insider thing, you know, because that's a very proven model, sort of like my podcast is free, but then if people want X, they pay a certain amount of money. It's like a, it's like a Patreon model almost fine. But the job of this podcast, the job of these webinars is for me to scratch the teaching itch, for me to clarify my own thinking, for me to get into conversation with some of you, and then to have some of those people who I've been in conversation with eventually work with me in a coaching and mentoring relationship. So today's takeaway is, what am I mostly doing and what do I mostly want to do? Am I more in pursuit of a coaching and mentoring business? Or am I actually more in pursuit of a teaching and training business? Once you're a little bit clearer on that, it's going to help you know, oh, so that means my big goals should be related to either conversations and connection or more and more um, like scaled relationships, followers, ads, that sort of thing. Those are things that that's what's going to direct me. Okay. That's today's content. Excited for what we're going to do in the next, uh, next couple of weeks, but in our remaining time, happy to chat with any of you who would like to dive into any of these principles. Oh, somebody in the chat says my spouse is looking for that kind of nutrition coach. Uh, he actually is not really doing it anymore. He's, oh, you know what? I meant to say that. The nutrition coach I hired is the sobriety coach I've hired because he is sort of transitioning away from being a, a totally results, like a scale driven coach, meaning what's the number on the scale. He's transitioning some, away from that toward more of a coaching and mentoring relationship in the context of this idea of sobriety. But I get, there's gotta be a, there's gotta be a weight loss co coach in the room right now. So somebody raise your hand. Somebody here wants you to coach them. Who else can I chat with today? Nobody? That's okay. We can end early. Hey, Mark. 
Hi, Linda. How are you? Hi, I'm doing good. I'm so excited you're doing this. Um, I'm excited you're here. Thank you. Um, oh my God, so many, so many thoughts in my mind right now. Mm. <laughs> but I think you've answered an issue that I've been experiencing. So since we last met in your money class, mm-hmm. um, I changed courses a little bit. I um, actually left my corporate job. Oh. And recently, and I um, I kind of put myself on the lane of an HR coach. Okay. So, so I'm a coach that will help HR professionals grow their careers without sacrificing their lives. And okay. the reason why I did that is two reasons. One, that was me, right, in, uh-huh. in my HR days. And I know there's a different way of doing it. Uh, but two, it's because that's my network. I have to be yeah. honest. And I am not, I'm not in social media. I don't enjoy it. I've been on LinkedIn now pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I I don't know that my efforts are resonating with people, which is so interesting. What are your efforts? So I put together a better program. And it's a 12 week. I did it for $997. $997? Yeah, for 12 weeks. Um, okay, so just, just to be to clear, title. just yeah. like, just, I mean, I'm like at risk of like overworking the point. What kind of business are you in based on today's conversation? Well, so I thought it was mentoring and coaching because that's what I offer. Nope. <laughs> no, the tell, and there's nothing wrong with this, by the way, Linda, you just used the phrase 12 week program. Yeah. You are in a training business. That is, it is a, a uh, I'm sorry. Let me, let me do better than that. That is a training offer. Yeah. The business can do whatever, it, whatever it wants, but you and per, that particular offer is a training offer. And that was my realization as we're talking. Yeah. I mean, as you were talking, I'm like, wait, what am I doing? <laughs> um, because my intent has always been to have one-on-one clients yeah, that's what I enjoy the most. That's what I think. I my strong suit is building those relationships. It was always in HR, and it's it's just who I am. Yeah. Um, but nobody bought. I can tell you that. So I think even well, who, my, who did you ask to buy? I asked a hundred of my connections. Ninety of them are in HR directly. These are HR people, HR directors, HR professionals, and. Nobody bought. Uh, and I personalized every single email. So it was very direct to them. I explained the program and it was no traction. So I'm like, I don't, you, I don't know if that's what they want. That's that's where I'm at right now. I'm like, I don't think that's what they want. Well, um, I mean, you do know it's you you know it's what they don't want. Good news, bad news. There's total clarity that they don't want it. <laughs> And that's good news because now you don't have to wonder whether they want it. And it's bad news because you want them to want it. <laughs> yes. Um, look, so th- it's funny how I, uh, I hope I'm not going to contradict myself now, how I said earlier that teaching training offers tend to be easier to sell. Mm-hmm. There, a teaching training offer, um, a course is a specific application of a teaching training offer mm-hmm. and courses are comparatively hard to sell. 
So if you were through conversation and connection, if you were, for example, if you were to have a hundred conversations with mm -hmm. HR professionals, I can almost guarantee, like I would, I would bet money that you would, if of those hundred conversations, you would make three to five sales of that thousand dollar course. I could almost guarantee it. But what you've done is you've, you've taken the conversation out of the equation and to sell without a conversation is again, in my opinion, the hardest thing to do in business. Mm. It's, you know, sort of selling remotely, selling at scale. Um, so you, you've done what you've done, what we all do. If I had, if I had a thousand dollars for every time I've done this, I would have many thousands of dollars, which is I create a product and I go looking for a client instead mm -hmm. of uncovering a client and then supplying the product to the client that that's already there. Yeah. So you're, a, you have a solution looking for a problem instead of yeah. uh, finding problems and then delivering solutions. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what you experience is what nearly 100% of us experience when we create a solution and go looking for problems. It doesn't really work, but you're, you are, I think, better off for having created it. Now stop worrying about selling it and get yourself into conversation and connection. Okay. That's good. In, in the next, um, in the next few weeks, I'm going to feature a friend of mine who tells an amazing story. She and I call it the manure shoveling story because when she was starting her coaching business, she, she got after it in conversation and connection and it led to some amazing things, but it was all about having conversations with people. Okay. So watch your podcast feed for that one in the short term, Linda, those hundreds of contacts that you have that are HR professionals, the offer to make is, Hey, I'd love to just catch up in a totally non-transactional way. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. How's your career? Like, are, how are you feeling about your job, about your progression? They'll tell you their problems. And then the offers can flow from the problems they're describing. That is so good. Thank you. You bet. It's all about those conversations. Um, in the chat, Mar says, I would love for you. I would love to hear what you recommend for one-on-one -on -one coaching, where to host the website, what kind of overhead to expect expenses to expect or plan for. Interesting. So your question, Mar, the question itself implies a teaching training business more than a coaching mentoring business. Maybe that's what you're pursuing. Um, a one-on-one -on -one coaching mentoring offer does not require any expenses or a website or overhead of any kind. It probably requires, if you want to work on Zoom, it probably requires a free or a $15 per month Zoom uh, subscription, an internet connection, maybe $10 per month for Calendly or uh, what's the other one? Acuity. There's a lot of those. Maybe you could be more specific too. Like what? This is the, this is a great question because it's a classic question that whenever I'm talking to people, and I don't know whether you would describe yourself as a newer coach, Mar, and I'm not trying to imply that, but whenever I'm talking to what I would call newer coaches, 
somewhere early in that, in that conversation, somebody's going to be like, well, what CRM do you use? And then I say, yeah, no, I think I've not explained myself. Well, if you think you need a CRM, uh, I need to revisit what coaching mentoring businesses are coaching mentoring businesses. The CRM is maybe your contact list on your phone. It's maybe your contact list in Gmail. That's your CRM. Um, because you're not thinking in, in broadcast terms, you're thinking in conversation terms, you're reaching out. Uh, I will talk about this, but this is a little over 18 months from now. Oh, she says, thank you. I fell into the Kajabi trap and started not liking my business. Oh, you've got a story to tell. You, I don't know if you were here last week when I said Kajabi is one of my big tells. I think Kajabi is a phenomenal product, by the way. But if a person who claims to want a coaching mentoring business tells me they've signed up for Kajabi, I know that they've disconnected from their goal. Um, but a little over 18 months ago, no, it was two years ago. It was two years ago that I did this. I had spoken to a bunch of coaches. I loved great people in the group, loved them, wanted to continue the relationship with some of them. And at the time I was curious about doing a group. So I wanted to have four people in the group. I reached out to four of them individually after there was rapport and trust built in the context of coaching. So these weren't random connect, like a uh, random outreach. And I said, Hey, so fun to spend time with you in that place where we all were. Just want to let you know, I want to, I want to run a group with four coaches. It's going to cost this many dollars. This is my literal video. I want to run a group of four with four coaches. It will cost this many dollars. I would love to have you be part of it. If you want to have a chat about it, let me know. I ended up having five people in that group and we intended to stay together for six months. We ended up staying together for 18 months. Uh, I consider those five women great friends. I look forward to seeing them. Some of them may be here. Hi, if you're here. Uh, it's just a, a fantastic experience. And it started with conversation, connection, and then personalized outreach and invitation. And it's so, so, um, so gratifying. Like, yeah, so amazing. I, those relationships mean the world to me. So that business didn't require a CRM. It didn't require a website. It didn't require an email list. It required me being in the same space as the people I hope to serve. Um, being interesting to them, frankly, I think I was interesting to them. And then to extend a personal invitation. And I would have been totally com comfortable to hear no on those invitations. I would have been fine. I could have extended four more invitations and four more until, you know, eventually I had my four or five people that I wanted in the group and off we go. So that's why the beautiful business is a beautiful business. It doesn't have all this junk piled on top of it there aren't all these big technical technical obstacles between us and our ability to serve the people we want to serve so not exactly your question mar but thanks for sparking that thinking in me anybody else have anything for us any questions or something they'd like to talk about i do mark um let me see if i can Make this work here. Um, is that Colleen? It is. Hi, Hi I'm so happy to you? see you. Yes. Oh, What's new? Thank you. Oh, 
lots of things. So when we worked with you before, I was just yeah. barely starting my training business and it yeah. is a training business. It is. Um, That's right. You're such a good example of that. Yes. Um, and it's been about two years since then. And it's been kind of up and down and up and down and up and down. So I paid for a business coach. Mm -hmm. It was about $6,000 for the whole coaching program. And I went through that 16 week course and built an entire online program for um, growing and nurturing and converting clients. Mm -hmm. And it's honestly, I, I have to say, it is a really good program. Awesome. <laughs> I was, I was bracing. I was like, oh, this is going to be, no, but it's good. Okay. It was a good one. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Oh, um, great. But the problem is the program that I have built because of that, because they taught us how to build out our own yeah. teaching and training program um, for that. Nobody cares. I mean, I have marketed and marketed and marketed, and I am not a social media girl, but oh. the whole thing is social media marketing. So I have done it. I have just jumped in hook, line and sinker, but nobody cares. Nobody's buying. And I know from being a music teacher for 35 years that I am really good one-on-one -on -one, and this yeah. is a group coaching situation and I can do it, but it seems like that's not what people want. Okay. Um, yeah, gosh. Okay. So I feel like this is a sort of the tale as old as time, which is you're dealing with exactly what Linda is dealing with. It's the same sort of like trying to sell at scale, trying to market and sell at scale. And it's a, it's a move away from what you did to succeed as a music teacher for decades. And actually what you did to fill a successful training practice, which was relationship driven. And it was asking you to sort of encourage you to be sort of slightly less relationship driven and more sort of content and algor algorithm driven on social. Mm -hmm. And that's just, there's more of a black box in that game. Now, I don't know if, if any of you have heard me talk about the black box, but the black box is this idea that we put a bunch of inputs into the black box, a bunch of effort into the black box, and then some stuff does come out the other side, some results come out the other side, but we're never quite sure what the relationship is between our inputs and our outputs because the, the stuff really happens inside this black box. That is what we deal with in sort of scaled or aggressive, not in a negative way, but sort of like social media marketing and yep. Facebook advertising and et cetera. The black box is very dark and hard to see into in those things. So the most frustrating thing in the world is feeling like I'm working really hard. I'm trying really hard. It's not really delivering me anything, but I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I really spoke to this in last week's episode too, where there's no solution to that. My clients that I'm not really working with as much anymore, but my clients who were generating millions of dollars per year, same, same exact issue. Uh, there's the black box. How'd this launch go? I don't really know. I mean, it didn't go like I wanted it to, but I don't really know why. Mm -hmm. What I think is beautiful about a connection in a relationship driven business is that the black box is almost it's there, 
but because we don't have all this pressure in the business of generating a certain number of transactions in a certain time frame, the black box matters less. It's less painful. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm thrilled that you enjoyed the program, but it sounds like it ended up taking you taking you in a direction that, at least at this point, has not really paid. Exactly, and yet I did it for a. A, a very specific pers- purpose. I was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And so oh. I needed something that I could do in smaller doses. I couldn't be one on one for 12 hours a day. Okay. Well, and- first of all, I'm very sorry to hear that and hope that the prognosis is as good as it can be, et cetera. Like I'm thinking of you. Thank you. Secondly, I want to say the business is not less work. Like, did you listen to last week's episode? No, we were out. No worries. Go listen to the podcast. It pretty, I mean, hopefully not too aggressively, hopefully, hopefully in a reasonable way, it makes the case why actually the business models that we think are going to take less time end up taking more. Yeah. Well, I can prove that I have zero money to show for the 24 hours a day that I work. Yeah, sister, I don't want, I'm, I'm so, um, you know, obviously your health, your rest, that's gotta be the priority. Um, and I think your one-on-one work, you may not have the energy for as much of it, but it is naturally better suited to a more restful season of life. Good point. So check out that first episode and hopefully you can sync like circle back on one of these and we can catch up, but I'll be curious to hear what you think of it. That sounds great. Thanks, Mark. I'm so happy to see you. Good to see you too. Yeah. Say hi to Jared. Okay. Bye-bye. Um, uh, Melissa says, how do you recommend a coach distinguish the value of coaching versus therapy in a mentoring business model, considering that therapy costs much less typically? It's actually such a great question. And I don't make any effort to distinguish between coaching and therapy because people who buy coaching, they tend to have, they seem to have resolved that in their minds already. And I hope that's not a cop-out answer, but if a person is trying to quote unquote, decide between a coach and a therapist, they're going to make that decision largely based on the person. So if they want to, if they're deciding between me and the therapist, because I'm not a therapist, they're going to have to say, I want to work with Mark because he's Mark. That's what I want. It's not a credential that I value in this case. That's what the prospect would have to say. And then, uh, yeah, at the same time, if coaching tends to be more expensive and if they are a price driven consumer, then therapy probably wins. And you know what? I'm good with that. I love therapists and I love therapy. I I think it's such, it can be, I mean, it's not universal. There's bad therapists like there are bad coaches, of course. I love therapy. I love the work they did. I value the work they did to become therapists. I wish they charged more. I think they don't make enough money. But if somebody wants to make that choice, I'm going to cheer for them. Be like, awesome. If I can ever be of service, come on back. In my case, when I hire Liz, there are probably therapists who I would pay less money who maybe even have, you know, ADHD expertise or whatever, but I wanted Liz. We had a conversation. We had a deep connection when I was like borderline blubbering in that conversation with Liz, it wasn't like, Oh, but you know, she's, 
she's this much money and a therapist would be less. It was like, you're my person. You're my person. The harder job, by the way, I think is distinguishing between the value of coaching and mentoring versus teaching and training. Because you do, you, in that, you really have to be persuasive in your way of being, where when you're having conversations with people, they say, I want more of these conversations, not I want to lose 50 pounds or not I want to make $100,000. They want to, they, they end up getting to the point where they're like, I just want to keep talking to you because I value that. That's harder work in my opinion. Uh, okay, a couple more and we'll be done for the day. Andalyn asks, what do you see as the role of social media in a coaching mentor business? I see it as coaching. I see it as uh, an opportunity to create conversation and connection. I have, my pen, personal pendulum has swung back and forth between despising social media and wishing it didn't even exist in our, on our planet all the way over to just having experience in the last couple of weeks where I direct messaged a semi-famous person. I mean, famous in this little tiny corner of the world, famous to my son is actually the point. This guy who's on a podcast that my son loves. And he had made this comment on the podcast that when I went to have a hard conversation with my son and encourage him to try something that was going to be difficult for him. And he said, well, Joe, from that podcast, I love he said something similar. It's a totally different topic. It had nothing to do with what he and I were talking about, but this guy had influenced my son and I used social media to reach out to him, to thank him, to praise him, which then led to him sending my son this massive swag box for his birthday. And my son was like walking 10 feet off the ground. That's social media folks. Like I was like, okay, dummy to myself, you need to chill because there's real power in being able to reach out to someone on social media and say, Hey, you're cool. I value you. I'd love to have a conversation or, Hey, if I can ever be of support to you, let me know. It's just this easy access. And that's not just Instagram, by the way, or, or, or Facebook, LinkedIn, which I would never have guessed. I just talked to a coach last week, Amber Dibert, who she's building a business purely by participating in LinkedIn. So I think when it comes to social media, if your goal is coaching and mentoring, I think you've got to think more about participation than publishing, more about commenting than posting, more about messaging than being smart or clever in your stories. That's where I think social media is powerful for those of us who want to do uh, coaching, mentoring. I, not opposed to stories, not opposed to posting. Never misread this as like either or, because some of you have been very active on social media in a publishing and posting way. And you've had relationships spark from that. Amazing. Amazing. I'm not like I, I admire that and I'm for it. Camille says, okay, last question of the day, folks. So what would an offer look like for coaching mentoring businesses? What would it look like during conversation after I've got the conversation book with the client? Okay. So prosperous book, <laughs> prosperous book, prosperous coach is your book. Read it, memorize it. The prosperous coach. It's an expensive book. It's worth more. The prosperous Co coach book may be worth in your coaching certification. Yes, I said it. I meant it. I paid for the, I paid for a certification too, by the way, but prosperous coach is your book. Here's the idea. Coaching and mentoring starts in conversation. So the conversation ends up being the sales tool. There's no overcoming of objections. There's no formatted sales script. There's no, there's none of it. There's a powerful conversation that you have with a person. And at the end of the conversation, 
they say something like, this was so, so fantastic. This was so helpful. And then you say, I'm so glad to hear that. Would you like to have more of these conversations? And then they're like, yeah, what does that look like? And then you say, well, typically people pay me about this much and we have about this many conversations. Would that work? And then they'll either say yes, or they'll say no. And it doesn't really matter which one they say. I have a great, one of my favorite coaching relationships right now. He is just the best. We just have, it's just a great long-term collaboration. He did hear me on content. So content was the start of the relationship because no, actually his girlfriend heard me on a podcast. His girlfriend said, you should reach out to this Mark Butler guy. He reached out to me. We had a conversation at the end of the conversation. I said, He's like, this has actually been so helpful. I said, would you like to have more of these conversations? Yes. What would that look like? And then I said, we would talk about this many times and you'd pay me about this many dollars. And we're coming up on his third renewal. And I don't know whether he'll renew again. I really hope he does. I think he will, because I really value the relationship, but that's how it starts. Would you like to have more of these conversations? Isn't it beautiful that it's that simple? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying they all say yes but it's that simple. What a freaking great business. I love it. Folks, have an amazing week. Thank you for coming live. It just brings so much energy to have you all come hang out with me live. I, it means the world. Um, beautiful business. The beautiful business is the podcast. You'll get another notification about, oh, there is no live session next week because we got a school break here in Utah. So no live session next week, back in two weeks. And um, Thanks for being here. It's a pleasure. See ya.